that's part of Mormon culture. Every time you read the scriptures, you learn something new. Or every time you go to the temple, you know what? No, you don't learn anything new. You're grasping at straws and you make up anything. You're begging for something interesting that you end up making it up. See, if you do the same thing with the Bible, at least you'll find erotica. You won't <laughs> you, find that yeah. in the Book of Mormon unless you really use your imagination. The way you read it, you definitely put some innuendo in there a lot. So <laughs> I'd say you're doing pretty good. I need to get some new material, Jones. My wife and my kids were cleaning out one of the closets in our house and they found my old quad. Can you hold it up, please? I'd like to see. There you go. Does it have like worn out pages that you lovingly reread over and over again? No pages stuck together. Hot, gross. No. <laughs> That was the Sears catalog. Thank you very much. Oh, that's old school. <laughs> Pre-internet. Pre-internet porn. When we did seminary, there was like always a competition they would have of like... Scripture mastery. You know, they would crinkle up and wear out the pages so that they could very easily turn to them quickly as a competition. It was a point of pride, like the more worn out your scriptures were. Did your seminary class they have like a buzzer system? You mean like the competition almost like Jeopardy? Yeah. No. We had a buzzer system. Isn't a famous Mormon running Jeopardy at the moment? Yeah, Ken Jennings, the famous encyclopedia Mormon. He was, he's not anymore. But anyway, so we had this buzzer system. Our seminary teacher would throw in like scavenger hunts and the first person to go grab an ensign off the magazine rack, you know, and come back, their team wins a point. So one time, Brian and I, uh, we were on opposite teams and they said, okay, somebody go get the uh, new era from the magazine rack. And it was by the door to the office in the seminary building. Brian and I booked it for there and he got there first and grabbed the magazine, but I was still going so fast. I actually smacked right into him. The door to the seminary office, it was one of those doors that had a window in it. And I put Brian right through the window. Oh, that's the way, Jones. Use him as a brain. <laughs> it was funny he was the football player but you know i was a big kid this big old jagged piece of glass stabbed him in the shoulder and oh was... my god see it's the spirit of god was just overcoming you uh, this is the competition no, yeah. that would be involved oh yeah oh my god it was so dumb i never got the mastery scriptures because i didn't care enough like history questions i'd always get those ones really easy but memorizing the scriptures i could not get my attempt to get a hold of a book of mormon oh how did that go because the ladies came around right first they left you a calling card and you were like oh i'm not going to make any effort to be there and then they just turned up for you but they turned up like at the most inconvenient time because i was oh, in the JJ. middle of packing my ball gown to go to this chaldean wedding i was like half dressed when they like knocked on the door the funny thing is is my house is such a weird place and the doorbell doesn't work so the dogs were barking your house is a wondrous place. I've seen those TikToks. Well, we've gotten rid of the rats, thank God. Did you get rid of the wallpaper there, Gigi? No, I still have. Did you try Jones's suggestion? Get one of those scoring tools. I haven't gotten one yet. And then fabric softener, right? That's the other thing. But I'm almost thinking we might just paint over it because it's so bad. That'll look like ass. That will look like <laughs> ass. <laughs> because <laughs> wallpaper has texture to it. It's not going to cover that that up unless you were to attack it with some spackle. You're right. You're right. You're telling me what I need to hear. Unlike the Book of Mormon, wallpaper has texture and nuance. <laughs> My dogs are barking like crazy. I go out to see what the hell's going on. And it's these two fresh 
face. They're so goddamn young. They're from like the Midwest. You were never that young, were you, JJ? No, I'm not that naive ever. <laughs> they are confused because they're looking for somebody by the name of BT. Because remember, it was like BT Scrivener. BT Scrivener. Was the name yeah. Yeah. She made up the name. You know, and I thought maybe they would just come by and drop off a Book of Mormon or something, but no, they wanted to chat. And I said, well, I'm like in a rush. I got to go, but you're more than welcome to come like sometime next week. And they haven't been back because I did let it slip. BT is like a joke name. Like I was just looking for a Book of Mormon and they said, oh, are you a member? Are you in the church? And I said something like, oh God, no. Like I've been kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> and I shouldn't have said that because I think that they're not allowed to talk to me now because once they find out that you are a heretic, they won't send them back. I'm too dangerous. Well, I mean, yes and no, because honestly, <laughs> with the numbers dwindling, especially in those ultra liberal states, they have to try extra hard. They're going to be grasping at straws. No, they want to know that you are ex-Mormon because they make you go through extra hoops to come back. Because remember, my soul is in outer darkness now. I am a person that has rejected the church. I am not just a non-believer or not a Mormon. I am an ex-Mormon outer darkness person. You're a son of perdition. Even if you're a daughter, you're a son of perdition. Yeah, well, that's what they're called in the scriptures, a son of perdition. But, you know, women, uh, they don't count. I actually feel sorry for these kids. They are doing this out of pressure. You know, you're there because you're there and you're just trying to make the best of the time. Same with my sister. And I just thought, come over, I'll feed you and maybe put a little bug in your ear about what critical thinking is. They haven't been back. And that was a few weeks ago. Maybe they came and I wasn't here because that wedding wiped me out. I was sleeping for like three days afterwards. What is a Chaldean wedding? Are they Babylonians? Yeah, kind of. Catholics from Iraq, Middle Eastern Catholics. And here's the cool thing about Chaldeans, because they're not Muslim, they can sell alcohol. Oh. The way the wedding worked is at two o'clock, we went to the groom's house dancing for like an hour and a half in the street oh, with like fuck. people doing the like everything. That would make my head explode. <laughs> Yeah, so then after kidnapping the groom, we sent him to the church. Then we all drive over to the bride's house where we do the same thing, except the father of the groom, he then negotiates the bride price at the door. So he's screaming at the house. He's like, here, we want to pay this money. We're going to take this daughter, blah, 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 blah. So then we kidnap the bride, but then we kidnap her by dancing her out of the house. Like, Did they stop traffic? No, we did not stop traffic. We were the traffic. So this was all on the grounds of a mansion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted this to be in the streets, JG. If they're just doing it on their own property, that's not fun. No, like it was in the street. It's got to <laughs> interrupt traffic. So after we kidnapped the bride, then we all go to the Catholic church and we do the wedding. And then we went to the hotel. I mean, they didn't even eat until like 10 o'clock at night. That's how they make you stay all night. And there's no gifts. There's a giant box in the front where you can stick an envelope full of money. So it was like all night dancing, dancing, dancing. They finally eat at like midnight. By then I was so exhausted. It's really funny because I swear I was like the only white person there. People didn't know why. They're like, who the hell are you? But it turns out like my dad was his dad's attorney. Like, here's the funny thing. We were at an ice cream social and I used to smoke. An ice cream social? Ice cream social at like the first day of law school. What's an ice cream social? You know, they give you ice cream and they talk about... Yeah, you hang out and you eat ice cream. They don't have ice cream socials where you're from? Is this like orientation... 
wake or something. Yeah, it's like orientation. So I step outside to have a cigarette and my friend Mike, he comes up to me and he says, do you know how fucking rude it is for you to be smoking in a public place like this? And then he takes a puff off of his own cigarette and he blows it in my face. And I'm like, you are an asshole. Like we should study together. And you liked it, didn't you? I I did. I love the abuse. (laughs) So we started studying together while we were having lunch one day. It comes out that he's Chaldean. And I'm like, what the hell is Chaldean? And he starts telling me about it. And I'm like, that sounds really familiar. Like my dad might've had some clients that were Chaldean once. And it turns out we didn't know that our parents knew each other when we went to law school. So that's how I ended up being like the only white person at this wedding. Now, are they cafeteria Chaldeans? Like they are very, very Catholic. Do they shack up before marriage and that's okay? Not that I have seen. They don't sound very cafeteria to me, Gigi. But I mean, at the same time, he's blasphemous, he cusses, but by God, you don't marry outside of that church. Like, I don't know, it's weird. And how is it in America right now? Have you all imploded with the latest shootings and... That's what the sad thing is. Uh, Yeah, okay, there was another shooting. Yeah, there was one here in California, just south of me. I mean, there's one every day, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. We should be up in arms about this in the streets and protesting, and we're not because we're burnt out. It's like Australia had one and we decided that was it. I know, exactly. Not that I agree with taking guns away. I don't think confiscating guns is the answer, but I drive a 3,000-pound vehicle 80 miles an hour on the freeway. I could kill tons of people with that thing. They know that, so I have to have a license. Insurance. Register the vehicle. Used to be here in Utah, you'd have to have a emissions and a safety inspection. They took away the safety inspection, which means we have cars that may very well be not safe to drive on the road. That means you have fun cars on the road, don't you? Oh God, there are some scary ass cars here. Just like my old Pintara. Oh, what a legend. I took the whole dash out of that to make it lighter. (laughs) You know, I am of the mind that, okay, you want a gun? Fine. You have have to have a license. You have to pay insurance. You have to have it registered. Yeah. And no history of mental illness or threats of shooting up schools. Define mental illness. <laughs> Investigated by the police because you actually threatened to shoot up your school. That is a red flag. That's what happened to the kid in Brooklyn. There's so much shit going on right now with the Roe versus Wade, with the Ukrainian war, and with another goddamn shooting. I don't even know where to start anymore. It's so horrifying. But this is America. I'm waiting for the pendulum to swing. Well, here in America, we have an answer called thoughts and prayers. Yes, thoughts and prayers. prayers. Every time there's a goddamn shooting, people dying, children dying, all the politicians are like, our thoughts and prayers are with the family. Fuck your thoughts. Fuck your prayers. Do something, you ineffective twat muffins. Thoughts and prayers was how Lucy Mack convinced Oliver Cowdery to become Smitty's stooge. Oh, dear God. Cowdery was like, oh, I think I want to go and be Smitty's translator. Lucy Mack and her husband were like, oh, you just need to pray on that and just make sure that, you know, God's really telling you that. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, he told himself from God exactly what he wanted. Wanted to hear. Yeah, it's funny that God, as a general rule, always tells the person what they want to hear. It's very rare that God says, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. Uh-uh. No, that's bad. 
I know this is a bit of a conspiracy theory and I don't know if anyone's ever thought about it before, but I kind of wonder with all of the visions that people associated with Joseph Smith were having, was Lucy Mack putting things in the water? That theory has been brought up. Really? Yeah. Ah, see, every thought's been had, Jones. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Is it possible that Lucy Mack was putting psychotropics into the water or maybe they were all on mushrooms or maybe he was on opium? Maybe that's how he didn't take alcohol, you know, for his leg. Maybe they just dosed him on opium and he was all right. And maybe they were all seeing shit. Maybe this was part of the con. I do remember that Joseph and his family were all into folk magic. Or drugs. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Folk magic, folk cures, mushrooms. It is not unreasonable to think that they may have had access to plants that had special visionary properties. You can make laudanum very easily. It's like opium. It's just like a cough syrup with opium in it. But it's hard to make, right? Because you need poppies. Come on, think about it. There was no drug laws back then. Right. I'm thinking now. But again, I don't know what the science was on mushrooms. Like, I think obviously (laughs) we probably had like the indigenous people were very aware of like peyote and mushrooms and marijuana. Oh, they knew about mushrooms. To the extent that the pioneers were doing them. I know we must have had opium because 18th century, everybody had opium. But I mean, I don't know what Joseph might have been on. I think that's how Smitty did it. He declined the alcohol because he knew his con artist family was all into good drugs. I don't know. I don't know if we've got any literature to support it. There's a lot of theorizing and the majority of the serious scholars are just like, oh, that's an interesting idea, but they don't pay much attention to it. It would explain things maybe. Wouldn't it just? But at the same time, like people all over the place were inclined to have visions at that time. Because they're on drugs. Not necessarily. People were inclined to describe spiritual experiences. The story in Mormonism is is that the first vision that Joseph Smith was ridiculed for. The fact of the matter is there were preachers that were having extremely similar experiences, quote unquote. (laughs) They were saying that they saw God. And at the time it was just seen as visionary experience it was something inside the head it wasn't until joseph started saying no this really happened to me and of course remember he wasn't saying it when he was 14 or 16 he wasn't talking about it until he was nearly 30 this is a typical appeal to authority you know it's like i want you to do what i want how do i do that i have to tell you that it's coming from god because you can't refute it it's like saying i saw santa claus the other day you can't prove that i did not but if he's kissing mommy, then it makes more sense, doesn't it? Did you just say Santa Claus was fisting mommy? (laughs) No. No, I said kissing like the song. Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, there's a song. Okay. I I don't even want to know. Fisting Santa Claus had her hand right up his big fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) He ate all the cookies I left for him. Oh, dear. The milk is gone. And now he's tossing mommy's cookies. (laughs) 
oh, I love it when we sing. We're going to do karaoke one day and it's going to be awesome. Even if I do start drinking again, there's no way in hell you're going to get me drunk enough to do karaoke. Oh, you just wait till I come and visit you one day. I'm practicing for the cruise. I'm like, the do they have karaoke on this cruise? I don't even know how I'm going to survive this. It's like a floating toilet. Half of whom have got COVID and aren't wearing masks. And, oh, don't yeah. worry about it. You'll be all right. Uh, we'll see. We now know it was just a flu. Well, we've got monkeypox coming around now, so everybody's got that to look forward to. Yay, dear God. And unfortunately, all of the things that are happening in the world right now are just more justification for the religious right to say that the end of the world is coming. We've had <sighs> plagues. We've got wars. We've got Antichrist. We've got aliens. End of days bullshit has been happening since we climbed out of the goddamn trees. The freaking religious right are all having wet dreams and they think this is the best thing in the world. They'll come on themselves and then just, you know, end up hating themselves. Yeah, they'll feel bad about it and they'll repent. <laughs> well, we better start talking about this horse shit unless anyone has anything they desperately need to get off their chest. I did have my husband listen to some of these clips. He just had this look on his face and he kind of shook his head and he said, this just sounds like what dumb people sound like. It really does. He didn't even have a better word for it. He was just kind of flabbergasted. That was the first word he could come up with was just like, these people are just dumb. Oh my God, this episode's so dumb. Let me play this first clip. The Lord urged Joseph to remember his mercy. <laughs> Repent of that which thou hast done, he commanded. How hard is it to write down a rebuke from the Lord about yourself? <laughs> even our leaders, even our prophets have times where they have made mistakes. That's what we see in the Bible. That's what we see in the Book of Mormon. That's what we see in saints. The Lord made a declaration. If the people of this generation harden not their hearts, he said, I will establish my church. I wish they had hardened their hearts because it would have saved so many people 10% of their income. I know, right? An exit clause. <laughs> what specifically was he supposed to be repenting of? Like giving Martin the 116 page? But God told him he could do it. He did because he asked him three times. What's wrong with that? You're supposed to be able to ask God any times you like. Was God surprised by the outcome? Because, I mean, if he's omniscient. I think he was. <laughs> they're saying, well, how hard is it as a prophet to write down a rebuke? Okay, yeah, Joseph was writing down a rebuke, but he was getting himself out of a bind. This is Joseph going, oh, fuck, I need some time to come up with a new plan. So, uh, oh, God's telling me that I have to take a break. Okay, well, <laughs> every time Joseph is rebuked by God, in the scriptures, in the Doctrine and Covenants, it's to get his ass out of a jam. <laughs> God is actually rebuking him. It's to get his ass laid. That's you. Yes. 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 If you don't, you, I'm going to kill you, Joseph, yeah, if you right. obey this 14 year old. You'll be struck down. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. He was also rebuking himself in a way to rebuke Martin. Yeah, of course. And he stops translating with Martin pretty soon after that, I think. He still hits him up for the money, though. But yeah, he does replace him as a scribe. <laughs> Joseph Smith has no shame. Nope. <laughs> Neither does Lacey. You know, yeah. 
I think Lacey's the ringleader. She's such a conniving bitch. Uh, here's something that I did not know. The way that I was taught, I don't know if it was explicitly taught this way, but maybe it's just the way I thought it was. After the pages were lost, I thought that when he started back up again, he started from the beginning. Oh, no. He didn't. He started from after the 116 pages. Couldn't be held accountable then, could he? Right. Because the story is that these were the plates of Lehigh that he originally translated and then they were lost and now he's translating from the plates of Nephi, which are the smaller plates. That said exactly the same shit because they just had so much space to chink, chink, chink away. This early part of the Book of Mormon that we were reading through, the reason is so bereft of details or names or anything is so that he could not be trapped by anything that he originally put in. Inconsistencies. Exactly. So it was a realization like, oh, that's why the first half the Book of Mormon is so goddamn boring. I don't remember ever hearing any of this when we were in seminary. They don't talk about this really at all. You know, that's just par for the course with the Mormons. So did he sin? I don't think he did. God said he could give the manuscript to Martin. Remember, he said no two times, but the third time. If God says you can do it, you can do it, right? Yeah, then it's God's fault. Yeah, it's God's fault. Remember, we're talking about this magical worldview. The number three is the magic number. Joseph has already been caught up by the number three once before. Joseph Knight was asking him if he saw the spectacles that were in the box <laughs> with the plates. And he asked him the first time, no, I don't see these. After the second time, no, I don't see them. Asked him a third time, if he says, no, I don't see them, Joseph Knight, or whatever the guy's name was, can say, hey, I see them. I'm a better CEO than you are. Right. But here we are again with the magical number of three asking the Lord three times. You've got to give him a different answer. He has to give the answer that they want. I don't understand why, but apparently that's part of the worldview. So <laughs> nagging God works. <laughs> In the Bible, it says to pray without ceasing and to keep petitioning God for stuff. So what are we supposed to do? Right. All right. So the next bit, Isaac Hale, Emma's father, hates Smitty. Let's dive into that one. Emma's father came into the room and listened. He asked whose words they were. Jesus Christ, Joseph and Emma explained. What was Isaac's reaction to hearing this? He is skeptical of the plates. He was allowed to heft the box. Right. But he, as Joseph was commanded, he was not allowed to show the plates. And now this man who claims to have these gold plates, who has married his daughter without his permission, is saying that he's speaking for Jesus Christ. Heft the box. Uh-huh. <laughs> here, here, come on over to my house. I'll let you heft my plates. But I'm not going to show them to you. See how heavy they are? Right? It's not a small box. It's a massive box. It's like the lamest. It's not even a magic trick. Like, underneath this sheet, there's a magic box full of plates. Like, no, no, no. Of course he was skeptical. This guy took off with his daughter, who's like, how old was she? She was of legal age. I think she was 18 or 19. And he's got some things that he's not going to show you. I wouldn't believe this at all. 
It's such a oh. little boy's game too. Like yeah. if you had a daughter who was running off with some person who was saying, oh, I'm amazing because I've got something really special, but it's in this box. You can shake it around. Can you hear it? I can't show you it though. You would think that person is insane and you'd be right. Why can't people see this? Oh, fuck me. It is a sad, sad thing. I can imagine what this guy felt like when his daughter is marrying this guy guy that's making up all this bullshit and there's nothing you can do. And at some point you have to let your kids make their own mistakes. They have to make their own mistakes. My husband dated me and I was Mormon, but he deconverted me pretty quick. He deconverted you with his body. In the back of a pickup truck. Let me tell you. (laughs) He was hefting your box. (laughs) He was hefting my box. I didn't hide it. It wasn't underneath the sheet. When you've got something good, you don't need to hide it, Gigi. All right. Next clip. Lucy Max, there's her next victim. He'd heard about the Smiths and this gold Bible, as the the townspeople were calling it. They've basically confided in him and told him what's going on. Oliver told the family he wanted to go to Harmony to help Joseph. Lucy and Joseph Sr. urged him to ask the Lord if his desires were right. Oliver prayed privately to know if what he had heard about the gold plates was true. The Lord showed him a vision of the gold plates and Joseph's efforts to translate them. And he knew then that he should volunteer to be Joseph's scribe. Deference is given to dreams. And I get it because back in the day, there was no TV. (laughs) These people probably went to bed as soon as the sun went down. They were up with the sun. And then they spent the rest of their day doing like all kinds of bullshit labor, making butter, collecting eggs, planting shit. Like this is a hard life. Real entertainment of any kind would be, I guess, your dream. It's their inner life going wild, isn't it? Right. I mean, it's very... Very different than anything that we have here. Nobody's going to believe this shit nowadays so much because we have the internet. We can cross-reference information. But back then, I mean, your cross-referencing was going to bed and having a dream or a vision, and that would confirm your life choices somehow. Also, we don't have an inner life now because we've got antidepressants and TV. <laughs> you say that people nowadays wouldn't believe in stuff like that. How many fucking people believe that there are aliens that come and kidnap people? How many fucking people believe that Earth is hollow. I mean, people will believe anything. Obviously, there's always going to be a percentage of them that are going to believe in lizard people and all that stuff. I am not so surprised when I see it in history, like people back in the day, like before, you know, modern everything. But now in days, when we have computers and information and quantum physics and we put people on the moon. Oh, but do we, JJ? Damn it. We can see the space station with our own eyes. You can look up in the yes. sky and you can see it. And because your phones work, that tells me that the science behind that phone is true. The fact that the prophet can sit there and tell people, your phone is just the same as a rock and a hat. That was Brad Wilcox. No, no. I saw Russell Nelson. There was a clip looking old like Skeletor with a hat and he actually holds it up, but he doesn't quite put his face in it because I think he knows how stupid that would look. And he says to a woman who's like super smiling and she's like, oh yeah, everything you say is true because you're the prophet. (laughs) 
his wife. Yeah, I, no, I don't even know it was in his way. And he says, <laughs> he says like, well, we have cell phones now and words appear on my cell phones and I can get a text that you can't see. How is that like any different than a rock and a hat? But your cell phone carrier can. <laughs> yeah, I can go like this. Ooh, I have a text. Look at the text I got. I can hail a goddamn cab with my phone and the car will show up. But a rock and a hat, the only thing that happens is I look like a colossal asshole. So it's the difference between a rock and a hat and a cell phone. That's all I have to say about those two technologies. You know what I thought was funny too? Earlier, I think it was in the first clip, they said, you know, sometimes our leaders and prophets get things wrong. I thought that wasn't supposed to be possible. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Thank you, because I forgot about I, I wanted to touch on that, because when I was growing up, I was taught that the prophet was infallible. Put an exclamation point after everything they say. That the church was true and that the Book of Mormon was perfect. There's still teaching it. Russell M. Nelson has taught that the prophet will never lead you astray. Oh, never lead you astray. In modern times, I've definitely seen how they've backed off of it. And that's just one example. They normalize it. They say, just like the prophets in the Bible, our prophets can be mistaken too. But see, that's the thing. When they're selling it to you, they differentiate all the other churches and our church. Our church has a prophet, a living prophet. Their churches have dead prophets that no longer exist and don't say anything and they were fallible. Now, they realize they can't defend that position anymore. So they've had to retrench and normalize their mistakes. I have no respect for that. Those mistakes and that ability to make mistakes only applies to the guys that are dead. It's only the guys that were dead that sometimes spoke as a prophet and sometimes spoke as a man. The current prophet will never lead you astray. Russell M. Nelson has done a whole 180 on trying to become more human and relatable. He is really hardcore going, what I say is the word of God. And if you haven't noticed, it's almost hero worship godlike status for the prophet now. People stand when he comes in. He is treated like a god. VIP jets, the watches that you see him wear. There is no question that the believers in the church are treating him like a demigod. They talk more about him than they talk about Jesus. Rusty Nelson has gotten things wrong, right? Yes. This is what you do with a prophet who gets things wrong according to Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. That's how you tell a false prophet. How many of the Mormon prophets have spoken stuff that hasn't come true? Every single one of them. Right? False prophets, yo, according to God. And there's the problem because <laughs> how many times has God said something and it turned out to not be true? <laughs> God needs to kill himself. And if he doesn't, when I die and I get up there, I'm going to die trying. Sometimes Joseph translated by looking through the interpreters and reading in English the characters on the plates. Often he found a single seer stone to be more convenient. He would put the seer stone in his hat, place his face into the hat to block out the light, and peer at the stone. Light from the stone would shine in the darkness, revealing words that Joseph dictated as Oliver rapidly copied them down. I don't necessarily see 
any problem between one way or the other way. They were both done by the gift and power of God. But I think it's helpful for people to know the methods of translation. And Joseph even said later, it's not meant for the world to know all the specifics. Those things kind of fit into their lives. So like a seer stone isn't weird. Like, yes, it is. You fucking batshit insane lady. Bonkers. That's what it was. If we went back 200 years and said, yeah, we're looking at these phones. That's part of like our lives. It's part of our like lives, you know. This is the clip. My husband's like, they sound so dumb because they normally it like it is insane <laughs> it is absolute you have to take everything you've learned from the day you were born until now everything you've learned about the real world physics how things work and dismiss it if the internet didn't start making these things more widely known they would have never be talking about this and tried to normalize it the way they are if we want to know what the church would have done if this information wasn't available we just have to go back to when you and I were growing up and they were telling us that this was complete bullshit. They were excommunicating people for saying stuff like that Joseph Smith looked in a hat. (laughs) And when a church could no longer deny it, then they admitted to it and then tried to normalize it. Like, oh, people all the time use stones to find treasure. The term I've heard for it is called inoculizing. Inoculizing. Inoculating. Thank you. Yes, I did say that wrong. I like inoculizing better. That's good, James. (laughs) (laughs) But no, they are inoculating the faithful against basically the truth. This in law is called taking the sting out of bad evidence. So if somebody has really bad evidence against you, I'm not going to let the other side bring it up. I'll bring it up so that when it is brought up, they've already heard the worst. It's gone away now. So that's what they're doing for the faithful. They're giving them this little bit. They hear it and like, oh, I already heard about that. I don't need to listen to anything else you have to say, which will further prove that this is all complete bullshit. And we're told we're the crazy ones over thinking, not faithful enough, not reading your scriptures enough. What's wrong with you? You're not doing the right things. You're not working hard enough for your belief or your testimony. Jesus Christ, stop pissing on my leg and telling me it's rain. a spiritual golden shower, JJ. Spiritual golden. (laughs) I've got some questions about this because it says at the beginning, sometimes Smitty would do the traditional thing, which is using the Urim and Thummim spectacles to look at the plates. And sometimes it was just easier to use the one stone. What I want to know is before they came out with the stone being an okay thing, I know in the past it wasn't, but now that they've come out with the stone being an okay thing, Oliver Cowdery wanted to try into interpreting how was it said that he did that without actually seeing the plates he would have had to have seen the plates to look at the plates through the glasses they didn't talk about that you're asking logical questions logical questions are not brought up they just (laughs) talked about the faith affirming bullshit they don't allow you to look into it any further because as soon as you do it all falls apart right okay that's where you have to take it all on faith If you want to be a good Mormon, you do. You don't watch a movie and just believe it's real when the movie's really poor. Wait, you're telling me Superman? Like, I thought he was just like living in his ice palace and ignoring us for a while, but... (laughs) If only Mormons could go back in time just like Superman and just kind of see what actually happened there, I think they'd probably all shit themselves. Or they would say it was by the power of the devil and they would just continue to lie to themselves. (laughs) Yeah. So... 
Next question then. If God gave Smitty the Yerim and Thummim and the plates so that he could give the world this restoration of the church, but then Smitty just ends up using a rock most of the time and that's totally fine, why did Smitty have to find plates? The original story was not about some revelation from God. It was a treasure buried by Native Americans. This is an adapted story. It's all horseshit. By the time it's twisted through all of his problems that came up because he doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> In Joseph's journal, you'll see crossouts, strike throughs. He's trying to erase. It's it's a mess. I literally can't write two sentences in an email without backing up, fixing something. It is such an amazing thing to see. We have about 24% of the original manuscript of the Book of Mormon. Much of it was lost, sealed up in the Nauvoo house and in the cornerstone, just kind of molded away. But the pieces that we have, it's just straight dictation. Mm -hmm. No punctuation, just line after line after line. He became more and more interested in being able to translate himself. And Joseph was open to him having that experience. And the Lord through Joseph Smith says to Oliver, Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you, and which shall dwell in your heart. So he's educating him. Here's how you're going to get your answer. But it doesn't really work for Oliver. The fact that you are so stupid and bad at writing that you can't even write an email without backing out and doing it a million times is not evidence that somehow Joseph Smith was doing this the right way. The fact that you think, I'm just like my brain. But don't forget, when he dictated the Book of Mormon, it was so much slower. He'd say it. Martin would read it back, and if it wasn't quite right, he'd say it again. That's like writing an email and hitting backspace a whole bunch of times and retyping it till it's right. So of course the Book of Mormon made more sense than an email you type in five seconds. But then again, it doesn't. <laughs> We've been reading this. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. True. You remember that the first printing of the Book of Mormon had no punctuation, had no verses, had no chapters. It was as they describe it, word, word, word. It made no fucking sense. They had to come back in later and try and make sense. And they've been trying for 180 years now to make it make sense. They're acting like he did some wondrous thing. The Book of Mormon's a goddamn mess. It's a complete clusterfuck. You're not making the point you think you're making. You're just saying, I'm an idiot. Joseph had a very slow process of a chance to get it right, and yet... He didn't. <laughs> when you go through it, unless you are so dedicated and you are trying so hard to make it make sense, you have to go through so much effort just to try and get through the Book of Mormon. I mean, again, I'm not going to try to bring logic to uh, this... <laughs> Don't bring logic to an emotion party, Gigi. <laughs> Do you think that Oliver Cowdery wanted to translate because he wanted to see the plates? Maybe. Also, he was playing second fiddle. He wanted some of the power for himself. He wanted the God special sauce too. Right, but Joseph Smith had to be in charge. He had to be the source. He had to be able to control the narrative. Yeah, magician isn't going to show his tricks. I can imagine him being very, very careful about what people knew. And now they don't actually say how he did the translation, but we can only assume he used the rock because they don't say anything about the plates. Historians nowadays, the faithful, say that the Ermin Thummim was only for the first 116 pages. And everything after that 
was the hat. Oliver Cowdery did not come in until after the 116 pages were lost. But in Saints, it says sometimes he did this, but sometimes it was easier to, to use, use the rock. rock. They're not lying, because some, well, I mean, they are. They are. They're at the point in the book where the 116 are gone. He put his head into a hat and pulled shit out of his ass. And that is the yes. Book of Mormon. <laughs> That's beautiful, JJ. I love it. Well, with that, um, I'd be there too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to next week, all of you and Brother Benjamin for Omni. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you for your time. Sorry, it's so this late. This is my new normal.